Hello everybody, this is Curtis from Tremble letting you know that we are brought to you by Shudder. Shudder is the horror movie streaming service that brings you all the latest and greatest that horror has to offer. But you don't have to take my word for it. You can use TremblePod, that's T-R-E-M-B-L-E-P-O-D, when you sign up for an account. This will give you a free 30-day trial on us, so you can check it out for yourself. With that said, let's get on with this week's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Tremble, the horror movie podcast. I'm your host, Curtis. With me, as always, is Steven Taylor. How are you two doing? Good. Yeah, doing all right. It's It's been an, it, I don't know, a middling week for horror as far as the, the, the world is concerned, but I had a pretty good week in horror. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Halloween Kills is out, and uh, you either hate it or love it it does seem to be divisive and Mm -hmm. uh steve and i are both on the positive side i think i'm a little slightly more positive than you i saw on letterbox you gave it like an eight or four out of five eight out of ten yeah yeah i'm at like a nine out of ten i really liked it um yeah but i just think it has its issues i Mm. think i that's my i just think it has its problems yeah um and uh, some of them are a little easier to get over than others, I, I will say. Um, I will also, like, without giving spoilers, I'll also say that Tommy Doyle's a little bit of a problem in this movie for me. <laughs> um, Good old Tommy But Doyle. That's, that said, I, I do like the new casting of uh, Anthony Michael Hall. Like, I think that was cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, I, yeah, I just, I have my issues with it, but... I mean, uh, yeah, uh, it, it's just, it, it's been, like, horror, the horror that hasn't really, the new stuff hasn't really gotten me, but um, I feel like I we're on the positive side of Halloween Kills, and I still mm. feel like I'm defending Malignant all the time, no matter <laughs> oh. how, oh. how, like, oh. it, 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 it is bad, I will say it is bad, but... It's still it, it still manages that sweet spot of being so fucking entertaining. By the way, I've, yeah, I've been hearing mostly good things about *Malignant*, so I'm surprised that maybe most people think it's bad. <laughs> *Malignant* is one of those movies that I think if you're a horror fan, you've watched as many as we have, and you have like a storied history with uh, horror, and you kind of know the different subgenres and like eras of horror like it's actually a really cool callback to a lot of different stuff but i think if you don't have that context and you've only like maybe watched like sinister or something like that and you're like go watch it you're gonna be like the fuck am i watching but you mm. know i i think treating it like a homage to a lot of different styles and genres of horror you'll respect it more than if you were to like just watch it and be like what the fuck is this like this is from the guy that made the conjuring like what the hell <laughs> so by the way in my search of trying to find out where the new slumber party massacre is it's apparently available now on the ctv website oddly oh, enough wow. of all places oh. and it's gonna Random. be free yeah so I, if you have a fire stick you have access to the ctv app <laughs> yeah that's a, I, I, I do not say, but <laughs> uh, well i guess we're watching on tv yeah I, you can watch it on a laptop i think like or any computer i guess but, right yeah. um but yeah 
So I guess I now know what I'm going to be watching later. But uh, um, yeah, uh, we're here to talk about not Slumber Party Massacre or Halloween Kills. Although maybe we can do that as a double billing next year as uh, 2021 horror movies. And maybe we can put Malignant in there somewhere. Because I do yes. actually... I, the more I think about Malignant, the more I'm like, yeah, that movie actually is really good. Like, it's got one of my favorite third acts of the year. <laughs> that third act is like somebody just like let a 14 year old write that movie because it Absolutely. just like goes <laughs> and it goes for broke. Well, and it's the final reveal heading into it too. Yeah, like the way that second act ends and sets up the third act is just like fucking nuts. Yeah. It's like. It's the crystal meth of transmit transit like <laughs> transitions, really. It's fucking insane. Yeah. And kudos to James Wan for making a movie that like, you know, he's I'll I'll even be the first to say that like a lot of his movies that he makes to me feel a little safe. They feel like mm-hmm. movies that he knows are gonna get a wide reaching audience and stuff like that. He makes this movie this is not going for a wide reach audience. Like there's no way the general audience is going to appreciate and like this movie. This is for the hardcore fan, the person that really understands and likes horror. So kudos mm-hmm. for him for saying, well, yeah, I'm making your Aquamans and your conjuring movies or whatever else he's making over there at WB. But I also want to make this weird and wild Jallo esque movie and just have some right. fun with it. So, which is a weird transition into, I don't know, our, our movies this week which are like slightly more accessible horror mm. i think mm-hmm. uh yeah uh i also like with the pandemic going on like oh i know this right this doesn't feel like <laughs> this doesn't feel like fantasy anymore this feels a little no. true to life um, especially carriers yeah yeah, yeah. 20 days later felt a little farther removed i was like okay mm-hmm. carriers i was like okay this is just fucking real life at this point like I'm sorry, Chris Maloney, but I'm going to kill you and your kid, and I'm just going to, like, peace out, because I ain't getting that shit. 28 Days <laughs> Later had moments where I was like, is this a 90s music video? I can't, the way that they're shooting this and the way that the song is coming in, it's oh. very much like they were shooting it for MTV or something like that. Oh, that's yeah. just the wonderful Danny Boyle. Mm, yes. I kind And the, the grainy film texture from shooting on the old cameras, too. I think that's what brought me back to the 90s. Mm-hmm. Get ready for indoctrinated Steve because I cannot say a bad thing about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say because this was my. Well, we're, well, we're going to first talk about Twenty Eight Days Later and spoilers for first time we watched this. But this was my first time watching Twenty Eight Days Later. I oh my never god! Seen it before? Yeah, that's insane. Wow. I saw it in theaters. Yeah. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Oh, that would have been a cool experience. Super effective in theaters. Like I think it's incredibly effective film in theaters, and I think it's that. Digital style, that immersive digital style that also lends to that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, we'll get into that. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- yeah. I think I first watched it in pieces uh, when it was like on TV as a kid or a teenager or something, uh, and then rewatched it in its full entirety, uh, remembering all of the wonderful story beats. Uh, like last week, basically. But this is one that I, it's it's kind of like. I, I'm a little bit on Steve's side with the indoctrination because there are some parts where I was a little confused, but there are other parts where I was like, oh, this is like, this is like a good classic, like not really zombie flick because they no. do break the rules a little bit of like zombies. It's an infected. Uh, yeah, but I, yeah. I kind of like that. I like that it is, it's, it 
doesn't work in the stereotypical kind of way. Well, I mean, back then, I don't know if there was a stereotype for zombies yet, but uh, I I like that it kind of breaks that living dead rise. Like, you know, they don't come back to life after they're dead. They're just dead. And that's kind of, yeah. It almost seems a little more realistic and less sci-fi, which kind of makes it more disturbing throughout some of the movie when Mm -hmm. some of the things happen. But yeah, really, really good. Yeah. I think when you when you um add 28 weeks later to it, I think it fleshes out 28 days later just a little bit more. Mm. Like the questions that you have, I think become a little bit more clearer, especially about the virus itself. Mm, um, yeah. But I I just I I love that the virus preys on just keeping the body animated mm-hmm. enough like like it, it's using that it that adrena gland like is using all of that stuff to keep the body going and then those bodies eventually die out like there's that scene in the um in the when he when he's first kind of exploring london he goes into the church mm-hmm. and there's all of those spent out bodies just kind of laying there and that one priest does that really creepy move that you can just barely see mm-hmm. oh yeah which is fucking great because it, it, he goes <laughs> and he creams his head towards Killian Murphy, right? Yeah. And you're like, oh, it's so subtle. It's so brilliantly subtle. And in theaters, that chilled me to the bone. Even oh, baby that, face yeah. Killian Murphy? Yes, baby face Killian. Oh, with the slightly shaved little head and stuff. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, that- this is the first time I saw Killian as well. Yeah. And oh, I mean, how do you not fall in love with that dude? Yeah, he's a cutie. Oh, my God. Like, like. Uh, if I were to feel any sort of bisexuality in my life, it one of them would be towards Killian Murphy for sure. <laughs> that's yeah, absolutely, as you, I, absolutely. I, I had forgotten briefly too that like he had had an operation, and I thought mm-hmm. that the shaved mm-hmm. head was his hairstyle at first, and I was like, "Ooh, he's looking <laughs> slick. He's looking slick coming out of the hospital." And then I remembered it's literally just it was not his choice. <laughs> it's it's a it's a very um, it's a very Rick Grimes beginning to and you you gotta wonder if if kirkman took any kind of um because that's how the comic that's how the walking dead comic starts as well right Uh, kind of rick murphy just walking out into a desolate world and um no rick grimes rick murphy rick grimes um (laughs) rick flair and yeah rick flair woo um and then uh, <laughs> that'd be a different movie entirely such a weird movie actually i would probably still watch that movie too yeah It'd be like a dude bart a dude bro party massacre type thing oh, um i'd be totally into that if anyone's listening i'd be into that yeah. um <laughs> we just gave you a free movie idea basically yeah but yeah i i and, I, and the music cues that's with this this kind of bummed out uh uh, London um, just I don't know like I, I think that Boyle totally rocked the aesthetic mm-hmm. and um, I mean we've seen desolate no name cities before um, but like to have like the busy bustle of London of Piccadilly Circus of all these like landmark places in London just being just tumbleweeded is so interesting Mm-hmm. Um, and as far and as also um, um, seeing people for the first time, uh, Naomi Harris was a oh, debut yeah. for me in this movie as well. And my God, is she badass in this film? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, she's so fucking great. Like mm-hmm. such an establishing role for her. Yeah, and uh, you know, 
obviously she's like, what should I do later on in my career? I should start in Venom Leather Be Carnage. <laughs> With a really gonzo performance, too. The, like a uh, ridiculously gonzo performance. I think if you watch this movie and Venom Leather Be Carnage, you're going to be like, Naomi Harris is really just like going for these different roles. And kudos Well, and then watch No Time to Die right after that. Oh, yeah. Because she's Money Penny. Yeah. But I, I mean, I, I'm on. I'm, I'm, I'm like hugely on the Naomi Harris bandwagon. Have been since 28 days later. Um, but I mean, the be all end all for me for her performances is Moonlight because my God, she's just amazing in that movie. Yeah, she really is. Uh, but what is 28 Days Later even about? Well, right. <laughs> four weeks after a mysterious incurable virus spreads across the UK, a handful of survivors tried to find sanctuary. Um, yeah, as for first time uh, we watched this, yeah, I literally watched this for the first time uh, the other day. Uh, when, like Disney Plus now, is it on? Yeah, yeah, I think I watched it on Crave uh, because, spoilers, I don't get a press disney plus account but i have a press crave account so guess who's fair enough who supported crave on that one <laughs> yeah <laughs> you get to a certain point in being a film critic where you're like yeah but why pay for this service when i'm press i shouldn't but yeah i think it is on disney plus i watched it on crave which crave is not the greatest app but again free um yeah and the funny thing is is like my family had the dvd back in the day so it was always there it was always looking at me like hey watch me and i was just like yeah cool but like i could watch austin powers gold member instead <laughs> or whatever else i was watching dvd wise at the time so i just like consistently ignored it and i never watched it and uh i don't know i think uh i don't know why i never watched it i i knew of the movie and like you hear of all these like filmmakers signing as influence and i'm like oh i really should watch it and then i was like nah i just kept skipping it until finally was on the the roster for trumbull and i was like well now's the time i finally have to watch this movie and uh yeah i i thought it was good i think the cinematography was a little jarring for me and i think if you probably like watched it at the time it probably would have been like okay yeah this is pretty good but uh, yeah some of the cinematography was like a little rough in this um there's like an odd filter over everything that just kind of made it a little tough to follow some things, but I mean, mostly I, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, and yeah, Cillian Murphy, he's just so great in this. Um, the fact that he, you get so much of him just kind of like having to adjust to things. And I think that's what makes his performance so good in this is that mm -hmm. like, it's, it's him reacting to people around him, the events around him, but it's how he kind of manages to do that that keeps things kind of interesting. Uh, the guy that shot this movie is Anthony Dodd Mantle. He also did Antichrist. Oh, well, that's a movie that I would not mind forgetting anytime soon. But... <laughs> he's a Danny, I mean, he also did Slumdog. So he's mm -hmm. done a few with uh, Danny Boyle. Yeah. Not even necessarily a bad movie per se. Uh, in the sense that, like, yeah, but I think like the, this this movie is just the slub the the cinematography was just a little bit distracting for me as I was watching it, and uh, yeah, I I think that's the one thing that maybe hasn't uh, 
aged overly well about this. I mean, not, not like I watched it back when it first came out, but like I think everything else still like came across pretty well in its execution, but just mm-hmm. the cinematography was a little bit rough. But I also want to mention that it's written by Alex Garland, who is like one of my favorite writers ever. Yeah, well now he's like doing his own thing with and um, he's he rules. We've already covered Batman. Annihilation. Yeah. on this podcast before he just fucking rules like <laughs> i just i love alex garland oh yeah um devs is a really cool series if nobody has because i don't feel like it was a limited series on fx that i don't think got a lot of push um mm. but it's got like nick offerman and a bunch of people and it. it was really good um and also got us I, I the original music in this was done by john murphy who has done a lot of work with danny boyle before uh, he also did the score of one of my favorite sci-fi films of all time, uh, Sunshine. Okay. Um, and I just, I really love John Murphy. So, and I, I love the work that he does on 28 Days Later because um, I think that there's something interestingly counterintuitive about the score in this film <laughs> um, that I think works in such a weird way. Like, reliving it again this time, there was just... Things that spoke to me more and just, I think, more towards the the originality of the crew that was working on this one and not trying to settle into anything that was kind of predestined and trying to flesh new stuff out, new subtle stuff out. Like the thing I already mentioned with the, the church scene. Like there's just little things that they don't focus on that will still kind of like stick in your cerebellum, you know? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, I think uh, you two have already mentioned the first time you watched this movie. Mm-hmm. Theaters opening weekend, yo. Oh, I wish I could go back in time and do that too. That'd be so cool. <laughs> it was really good. And it was like a late, I think it was the last showing of the Friday. So it was like a 10 o'clock showing. Mm. The crowd was rowdy. Like it was a good showing. Yeah. I'm just imagining being in a theater for those first scenes where mm-hmm. Jim is walking around the empty empty London like uh and and I think I read a thing after too that they had to put music behind that because when the car alarm goes off it like legit terrified people in the yep. screening so they were like okay let's put some subtle music behind here mm-hmm. so that you don't kill people who watch this movie I I would also like it liken it because I I saw 28 weeks later opening night as well and the feeling was the same for that first scene if you've seen 28 weeks later you know that first scene and it's like tragic and adrenaline pumping and it's just there's so much going on in it mm. um yeah i i mean for a completely new director to take on the sequel and still give you that same feeling is like wow mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's that's mm. talent mm-hmm. is, would you say that uh 28 weeks later is pretty decent? i think it's on par i think okay. it's on par i think it's on par um and i love robert carlisle in it it's such a great kind of like dual performance. Um, yeah, Rose Byrne is in it too, and I hadn't seen her. I don't think I had seen her in anything before. Eh, maybe Wicker Park came before it, but I definitely wasn't as versed in Rose Byrne's work as I am now. Yeah, when that came out, um, yeah. and the, uh, twenty-eight weeks later is so massively unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Um. Like, there's shit that happens in that movie that I'm like, I did not see that coming. Yeah. And Jeremy Renner's in it, too. There you go. 
Wow, all these people I forgot about. <laughs> it's been a while. I like I think I watched 28 weeks later way back when I had seen bits of 28 days, but I don't remember anything from it. It was so long ago. Yeah. I need to rewatch it too. I, I need to do a double feature. Honestly, I would I would rewatch 28 days later and then watch 28 weeks later as a double feature because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I really I really enjoyed this movie. Mm. I'd be curious to check out that movie because I mean I like this movie, even though, yeah, cinematography was a little rough, but I mean, I would definitely check out the sequel. Yeah, I think cinematography is a little rough, but I think because of how they purposely shot it to look shitty, like, (laughs) I think there's something in my brain that excuses that a little bit because it does trick, it does trick me slightly into being like, oh, someone is just shooting this on a handy cam. So like, (laughs) I, I, I may be forgiving it a little more just because of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I it, and it all like largely at the end of the day, it was all done handheld because um, it just makes everything easier. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because to shut especially that the the opening stuff like to do all of that in a busy bustling metropolis and to shut it down is like holy fuck! Like that is ambitious. Mm-hmm. Well, and one thing I will say is like I think. It gives the movie a sense of urgency, which I like, but I think nowadays with the advancements in like cinematography and stuff, there's better ways you can do that. But yeah, that's that's, that's the only thing. Like, I think if you were to like redo this movie now, or I think there's been talk of doing a third one, they mm-hmm. would definitely do it in a way where you could probably do that urgency, but just with a slightly more effective cinematography. Like, I'd be curious if Danny Boyle would have anything to say about that. And I'll like, yeah, like, there was like methods that he could think of to sort of still accomplish that but maybe on like a more effective basis because i think there are ways you can make things a little bit more like intense and give that urgency without you know mm-hmm. yeah completely making things a little too muddled but to think of things at the time like yeah that was kind of how you would do something like that like handicam was a little bit more that was kind of how you did stuff like that now back then and that's so. pretty red too i think yeah, I'm pretty sure that's pre-read. So that's really that's interesting too. Um, and I another thing that I think is really engaging about this film is the you don't feel green screen at all in this movie. You don't feel any sort of post touches on this movie. It all feels very in camera and on the moment. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think really that's what's really interesting. Uh, and I mean, I I think that because I wanted the one of there there are many digital shots in the movie that were that were redone and I, I but it doesn't even feel like fuck even the infection of brendan gleason's character yeah doesn't feel like that like it's done so in camera effective that it i don't know it's just so well done like following mm-hmm. that drop of blood from the crow into his eye and stuff like oh fucking interesting yeah that yeah. was really cool and really i, I love the infection process too yeah, I love the way it looks, the the way they portray it, that that rage virus, like oh, it's so interesting. And again, that's why the second movie it plays a little bit more into that as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why, I'm, yeah, kind of want to check out the sequel. Okay, uh, we have an email from Brian. Brian says, "What are your takes on the alternate endings? Do you prefer that Jim lives or dies at the end?" I Ooh. looked it up on YouTube. The alternate endings. Um, Okay, for me in zombie movies, I feel like the dark ending has been a little overdone, so I do find the 
happy ending, like a nice reprieve. So I would probably say that, but I don't know. Yeah, I feel like I agree with you. I th I think, I know I've seen something about, maybe it was a quote from Danny Boyle talking about how this is like the screener, the screen test ending or whatever, the big happy ending. And it sounded like maybe he was a little disappointed in changing it. But mm. I actually do like too that Jim survives. Um, I, although I feel like it, it would have been kind of fitting either way. So, so maybe I wouldn't have been too upset if, if they had left the original ending in, but I do kind of like that they all survive at the end. My, yeah. my one gripe with this movie is that they put a badass character like Selena in here and yet she's got to wait for Jim to come back and is like, he's like a stick and he can beat up all these soldier guys, but Selena can't for some reason. That's my one gripe with this movie, but, mm. um, in terms of the ending, I I, I kind of like the way that it ended. And I like that they made a big hello sign. Like, I know that mm. realistically, like, I was watching this movie a little bit with my husband, and he was like, why did they write hello and not SOS? But, like, when you first watch this movie, and and uh, Jim is, like, in the city, and he's screaming hello at people, like, it's yeah. it's like mm -hmm. a, a word that kind of follows him through the movie. So it, I really liked that, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and also, too, like, yeah, I kind of bought that they're not going to probably think to do SOS. Like, I bought that they would probably, yeah, think to do something more in line of, like, a, um, yeah, something more along the lines of, like, yeah, hello. Because it's like, <laughs> but yeah, I guess SOS would have been a little bit more efficient. Maybe, well, right, I mean, but... they, they also could have saved some uh, sheets by writing hi instead of hello, you know? This is yeah, just, right? yeah. <laughs> hi. Hey. Yeah, just ask, <laughs> just ask George Lucas. He's the expert on saving money on <laughs> things. Jesus, um, I think I think I'm okay with the survival ending because I don't feel like it's a 100% survival ending. Because what is the quality of what's going on beyond this? Like there is mm. there is there is a there is like. I would say an 80% chance that they go to the safe zone and the safe zone gets attacked. We know that it gets attacked because of 28 weeks later. Mm. Oh. So, so yeah, they're okay for right now, but I mean, three days from now, a week from now, like what is, what is their margin of the time that they have left anyways? That's interesting yeah. because, you know, I having not seen twenty eight weeks later, like I don't have that context. So it would be interesting now to watch it and be like, how much did they just undo everything? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like like this is as far as twenty eight days later, it's contained to the British Isles essentially, right? Mm. But Yeah, yeah. But there are I I mean there are just so many ways to get there and to get off of there, so Yeah. You know. As we well, know in World War Z um stuff spreads yeah yeah without think, the sequel i guess this is a hopeful ending <laughs> yes i think this is the first time was i hopeful yes since yeah, the movie yeah. came out that i heard any reference to world war z i think that maybe just let's like, escape my mind oh i i more meant the book sorry i more meant the max brooks book mm. the books are great yeah the yeah, book's the book amazing the book on tape is incredible henry rollins is one of the voices in the books on tape I was mildly excited to see if they would ever do, uh, there was talk of doing, uh, the sequel with, uh, David Fincher and I'm like, Jesus Christ, that's like, how do you not do that? But yeah, I don't think, I, I think that fell by the wayside, unfortunately. 
Maybe we got zombied out. I remember when World War Z came out, I was like, "There's we're in the zombie craze, I feel like, right now. And that was maybe near the end of it. But I would have been really interested to see what David Fincher's take on a zombie movie would be. Because he's such a, like, such an auteur that, like, what does his version of zombies look like? But, oh well. Um, time for some awards. Uh, best line in the movie. Oh man, there were actually a lot in in this one that I wrote down. Um, although most of them were written down lines, not spoken lines. Mm. Like repent, the end is extremely fucking nigh. I love yeah. that. That was I so like good. That one too. Um, yeah. And the note that his parents write him. What what is it? Hold on. Uh, with endless love, we left you sleeping. Now we're sleeping with you. Don't wake up. Oh, mm. my heart during that scene was like when he finds his parents and finds that photo and that note is written on it and his mom is like clutching it it's like oh my god i felt that that was so good yeah um yeah. i think there's there's another good line too when oh i forget the dad did the dad character actually get a name or did they just call him dad i just know him as dad but um he's describing the the bottle of booze um when they're going shopping in the grocery store. And I can't remember the exact line that he says, but he's just like, you can tell he really loves this booze and this is going to be a good time for him. Yeah. Oh yeah. When, yeah. Um, yeah, I like, I actually really like the sequence at the beginning with the scientists and the ape and the activists, which by the way, this movie will just make you hate activists. You're just like fucking just, just stop. <laughs> Um, <laughs> when the scientist says in order to cure you, you must understand it. And then the activist is infected with what? And the scientist said rage. And I was just like, uh, I love that. Even though it was kind of a cheesy line, but. Mm -hmm. was, yeah, but it was good. It was good. It's, it was a good cheesy. It was, yeah. it was that level of delivery where I was like, yeah, okay. You got me. So. It's that yeah. playing God thing, man. It's that scientist playing God thing. Like it's an old trope. Yes. But it's just, it's still effective every time mm -hmm. yeah 100 percent. maybe maybe have a little better security on your facility but like yeah, you know, yeah. Other than that. yeah probably not a bad idea <laughs> yeah okay um steve did you have a favorite line um i like the valium line <laughs> the yeah. oh great valium not only will we be able to get to sleep uh but if we're attacked in the middle of the night we won't even care oh yeah Oh, yeah, and when they're uh, going through the tunnel, another mm -hmm. Killian Murphy line, and he's like, this is a really fucking bad idea. <laughs> so going, we're going to yeah. dri like driving through a tunnel with full of broken glass, and that's like essentially what happens. The thing about Jim's line delivery is they're all so honest. Like, he has no room for filter or bullshit anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's what I really, I don't know. I, I it's, it's just a love letter to Killian Murphy. He's just so phenomenal. Was this before <laughs> or after... Batman Begins. This is before. Okay. This is before, yeah. This is before he was even on Christopher Nolan's radar, and now Christopher Nolan loves him. Yeah. I mean, he's going to be he's gonna be Robert Oppenheimer, which if you put a side-by-side, -side, it's perfect casting. Yeah. Cool. Like, it's incredible. Mm -hmm. He was great in uh, Quiet Place Part 2. Uh, oh, so good. He's like another unexpected emotional center to it yeah um 
yeah and and the the connection to to the the abbots and everything it's just so interesting yeah. i love killian murphy you cast him in anything he's gonna he's gonna bring it to your film and uh i mean after after 28 days later i there was a couple things that i had gone back and seen him in that i hadn't noticed before uh, like he did a Daniel Craig war movie called The Trench in, in the late 90s and stuff. And um, yeah, and from then on, anytime I saw him in something, I was like, yes. Yeah. Cool. Uh, best performance? Killian. Mm, yeah. I did put Christopher Eccleston because I think that's how you say his name. He was yep. the yes. military guy. Yeah. I did like him because I think he, like, how they play up his, like, the reveal of what his intentions are and all that. I, I kind of like that. I thought that was pretty well done. Uh, Cillian in this for me was good, but I, I, I don't know. There was just something about Christopher Eccleston in this. And I was like, oh, you, you had slightly more to work with, I feel like. Mm. But... Yeah, I also put down Christopher Eccleston, too, because his character starts one way and then mm -hmm. becomes just in one line becomes something so sinister. Yeah. Uh, and I, I thought that was really cool. And I mean, it was kind of fun seeing Christopher, Christopher Eccleston again. He's he's the ninth doctor. So that's always good to see a doctor. <laughs> Wasn't do he things. in um, the Marvel show? I'm trying to remember shit. Purple Man or whatever. No. Maybe. No, that's David Tennant. Oh, okay. No, but he was a villain in Marvel. He was the he was Malkath in uh, Thor: Dark World. Oh yeah, mm. that forgettable gem. Yep. Yeah, he does show up <laughs> in random places every now and then. The best part of that movie is that when Mjolnir flies by down the streets of London, and Cat Dennings points up at it and goes meow meow. <laughs> the I, best part of that movie. Yeah, that movie's forgettable in a lot of ways mm -hmm. i don't know how we're talking about thor the dark world on our 20 days later episode but christopher eccleston this is how we get there yeah the i guess only that, connection th that that's... and and london and yeah. that there's sequences in london okay so there was there was a little bit there of a connection yeah yeah um best kill i put frank uh i don't know i also just felt bad for frank Oh man, yeah. fucking uh, um, why am I spacing on her character's name? Naomi Harris just macheting. Oh, I'm a ah! It's like right. oh, Mark, <laughs> no, Mark. I'm not a federal. Oh, I loved. Well, okay, I don't love it, but like all of the characters who are introduced as these like nice, fun, light people, you know, always joking, fun to be around. They all die. They yeah. all die, and it's so sad. I was like. Mark tries to tell a joke to Jim at one point when they're first hanging out about a lion in a bar or something like that. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, Mark, I like you. I hope you don't die. And then, like, two scenes later, he's fucking dead getting his arm chopped off by Selena, I think. Or I think that's yep. her name. Yep. Uh, I was I was so upset about that. I was so sad. <laughs> it's such an intense scene. And it's and so then, that that shot that that shot, too, is so cool, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the first instance you get of, okay, don't fuck with Selena because yeah. she's not fucking around here. Um, yeah, and then the, the dad's death was just heartbreaking and so sad, but also so well mm -hmm. done. Mm -hmm. And uh, Christopher Eccleston getting 
I mean, it, it seemed like very, very lucky timing to have that play out the way that it did. But at the same time, it was really badass to watch that that little girl back that car up and he just gets grabbed out the back and she zooms away like that was so satisfying yeah yeah uh there were there were quite a number of times in this though where i was like ah oh, that was that was lucky timing that was lucky timing i don't know if it would have worked out like that but you know i i can suspend my disbelief because this is a badass movie yeah yeah you kind of have to at a certain point suspend your disbelief i think yeah mm-hmm uh right uh dumbest decision oh i feel like i also have a lot of those for this movie. i mean i feel like carriers there was a very clear one that was like that was just like the clearly dumbest thing you could possibly do mm-hmm. this one there wasn't really like a clear winner i was like i don't know no I, I like I, I'd say that like major west was making some seriously <laughs> dumb decisions Mm-hmm. But yeah. there's a finality to what he's doing, well, like why he has them chained up in the back and stuff. Like, yeah, there, there might be pure, purely military science reasons for doing that, or sociological science reasons for doing that. But it is like effectively what leads to his demise. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it could be construed as a dumb decision. But again, I, I feel like in 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 movies like this. Um, there is such a, especially, especially with these characters, because, you know, like we have the basis of all these books and all these movies and everything that, well, okay, well, maybe they exist in their world, but there is such a naivete because they don't, it's all new to them mm-hmm. in, in dealing with this kind of stuff. So, yeah. I don't know, it's sometimes it's tough to, to, to bring that, um, example. Yeah. Well, and, and kind of to your point where he, he kind of had his reasons for it, I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of the dumb decisions also had reasons behind them. Like, in my eyes, that whole conversation that they had when they were at uh, the apartment of the dad and the daughter talking about, we don't have any other choice. What are we going to do here? We could go there and we can die or we can stay here and we can die, you know? Um, they, I think they did a really good job of ha- having that conversation in the movie because a lot of times, especially in apocalyptic movies, people are just doing stuff and it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like they have always good reasoning to do stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And it makes it less believable because you're watching that movie and going, why are these people doing stupid shit when they could be like surviving, you know? Mm-hmm. But in yeah. this movie, they really kind of take the time to show that there is a conversation happening, you know? Yes, they go through the tunnel. And it's a really stupid fucking idea. But they do, they really don't think that they have anywhere else to go where they might be able to survive. So they're going to do it even though it's stupid. Um, even though they uh, get a flat tire and they never wear their seatbelts. And I <laughs> there's that scene at the end when they crash through the gate. And I'm like, nobody's wearing their seatbelts. You could take two seconds to put your seatbelt on. But anyways. Safety first, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also put one a dumb decision when they're on the rooftop and they have all those buckets waiting for the rain. They have like four baskets up there that have holes in them, and it's like, come on, come on. Like, what's the point? Yeah, yeah. But uh... yeah, I think that's pretty much it. I think, but the dumbest decision I really had writing, written down was, yeah, maybe that tunnel wasn't a great idea, and you could have found a different road to take, but maybe that's that was their only option. So I don't know. Yeah. I can't really think of anything too much, really. 
like honestly i've been trying to rack my brain like i everything you mentioned i'm like yeah that's, that's pretty dumb but i don't know like don't but know. it's kind of explainable so it's hard to yeah <laughs> yeah like I, i'm kind of like no that's not like that dumb i just think like i don't know probably like trusting those military guys like i don't know i think like i get it you're you're seeing this group of people and you're like oh okay these people i'm not too sure who who they are but they seem trustworthy it's like probably could have been a little more hesitant than you were but Mm. yeah i have one more maybe standing directly underneath a dead body as you jostle it to get the crow off that is my that is another dumb decision you you don't need to stand directly underneath and look up you know <laughs> yeah. you just don't but i understand that i i feel like this movie would not have been the same without that mm-hmm. very sad death scene so yeah that is true okay i think it's time to rate this movie what's everyone thinking for a score Ugh. <sighs> Nine for the ninth Doctor. There you go. That's my yeah. score. I I, yeah. I I don't know if this is quite like there are still some things story wise like I wish Selena had gotten some more badass break free from the military moments to herself instead of waiting for Jim to come and do it. But mm-hmm. I, I I I don't know. There's so much else about this movie that just feels like it feels kind of raw, and I like that there's a, a a almost like a reality twist to it just because of the circumstances that they're in and the fact that mm-hmm. it's not quite the same as a regular zombie movie. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to give this one a nine. I really like this movie. Yeah, I have this aversion. I, I think since be- I became like a like a, like a a radio critic and everything and just putting that stuff out there of giving perfect scores is really tough. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I... I might go with a nine and a half. There, this movie is super, super special to me. Um, I, I think I do harken back to that original theater experience and, and how it made me feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I feel like that that kind of um, atmosphere is still sustained when I watch it now. So, for a movie to not pale. From that from from that initial feeling is is special. So yeah, I have to score it as a yeah, I'll go with the nine and a half. Let's do that. Okay. I'll give it an eight out of ten. And I'm gonna cite a user review from Letterbox from a guy or a user named Maria who says, Why was this film with a pink Motorola and razor? <laughs> <laughs> no, I do I do like this movie. I yeah, I, I think some of it hasn't aged the greatest, but still, I think like the core, the core concept and the performances are what really make it stand out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's fu- it's kind of funny because if you shot it on a cell phone today, it would be better quality it than this would movie. Look was. Better, yeah. <laughs> Danny Boyle's probably like, hmm, I actually could film this on my phone. It would actually look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just watch the the new one, the third film. He'll just film it entirely on his phone. <laughs> did that Sean one ever have he better thank sean baker if he does that yeah he better have a did cameo it... from the hookers from tangerine just mm-hmm. for, just for a real riff uh did 28 months later ever get anywhere i know that it was in for a while but have 
does anyone know if there's been talks? There about... hasn't been any movement on it. There's no director behind it. Like, it would be cool if Juan Carlos Fresno did it, um, because um, 28 Weeks is so fucking cool. Um, mm. But to get a new person on it, why not? Um, like, I'm really excited what the Radio Silence guys are going to do with Scream right now. Mm. Yeah. Um, and there are so many great horror filmmakers out there that I feel could have an interesting filter put on this story. Um, but it's just, uh, especially like a UK filmmaker would be really interesting. Like even like dip, uh, dip back into people that are still doing great work. Like, uh, Christopher Smith who did like severance and black death and, um, triangle and a few other ones. Like why not throw him at it? Or like there, there are so many great horror filmmakers out there right now. Fuck. I give it to Nia DaCosta. Like, yeah. Like the, the the virus in twenty eight months later has been global now, so make mm -hmm. an American story out of it. Make an American um, inner city story out of it. Yeah, DaCosta would be perfect because I still celebrate Candyman this year's Candyman quite a bit. Candyman's I feel like that's a movie. very divisive movie too for a lot of people. Candyman's the movie I've seen the most this the most amount of times this year. Like I've rewatched that movie probably like five or six times at this point. Like. I don't know. There are it's, so many little things that I feel like I missed the first time around. Yeah. Like, oh, that's it's, the best one. It's, it's funny, though, because it's like, I don't know if it's the best movie this year, but it's the one I've gone back to the most. It's so. the most interestingly divisive films this year mm. that plays on more than just horror angles to get its horror message across. Like, I, I think that's yeah. what's so interesting about it. I think it's playing on themes that Ber Bernard Rose wasn't able to fully flesh out as a white man when the original film came out that um, a black writer and director could. Mm. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I, it's still got one of my, I think my favorite final shot and dialogue of the year. Oh yeah. They drank Tony Todd out of his retirement home for that one. Right. <laughs> oh, and it's so brilliant. It's it so brilliant. I just like the line that you tell them. You tell yeah. them all. Yeah. Like, oh, man, that's so cool. <laughs> cool. I mean, I mostly want 28 months later so that we can get a 28 years later where it's like mm. sci-fi zombies, kind of, you know? They've got, like, cybernetic appendages. They're shooting lasers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At that, at that point, just give it to, like, the weirdest director you can possibly find. Do it do it nice all right well steve where can people find you on the internet yeah you can find me at uh, the steve dead on twitter and on instagram and i believe on uh, letterbox as well i'm pretty much caught up with my new film watching i'm just uh catching up on all the the tremble films that we've uh we've covered on the show um getting those all done um I'm also on The Shift with Shane Hewitt every Thursdays at 11 p.m. Pacific. And I do a little drop-in with uh, Jazz Johal, local to Vancouver. Just a little, like, what you should be checking out. Uh, last week's was uh, Halloween Kills that I did. Nice. And uh, this week will be Dune. Because as middling as the reviews are, I'm still very excited to see it. Yeah, I'm seeing that on Tuesday. And, uh, yeah. We'll see how that goes. Right. Um, cool.
cool. Taylor, where can people find you on the internet? Um, I'm on Instagram and Twitch. Uh, my username is Techronomicon. I hang out on Twitch Wednesday nights around five o'clock, mostly just playing video games and stuff. Um, and if I do anything else, I usually post about it on my blog, which is surcianic.home.blog. And that's pretty much it. Nice. Well, I'm over at threegrinders.com. Got some reviews going up. Yeah. Some of the stuff I've seen lately. I saw wrong. It's gone wrong yesterday. That was, eh, not very inspiring or inspired, but I mean, it was fine. Uh, saw the last duel. That was really good. Uh, yeah. Even though... Ben Affleck in that movie looks like a reject from Limp Biscuit, but we'll we'll just put that aside. Uh, and then yeah, also saw Petite Maman, which uh, that's I mean not a horror movie, but just a charming little French film, and it was cute and endearing. And there's a twist in it that I will not spoil for anybody, but it is well worth watching. Uh, unless you're like one of the guys that was in the Vit Theater that was like, wait, this movie has subtitles, and it's like. You thought a movie called Petite Maman didn't have... <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. And then I'm over on Letterboxd, Fail Koala, Twitter, Film Critic Kurt. Until next time, everybody. Bye for now.